0: This is SideQuest Completed, the Hobbyist Game Dev Podcast, with your hosts, Calvin and JC. Coming to you every Wednesday with encouragement and advice on making your game a reality. So I'm your host, JC, and this is...
1: I'm Calvin. Well,
0: and we're going to uh, figure out the timing of that eventually.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll work that out. We need a script and stuff. You know, all professional-like.
0: Yeah. All right, uh, so today we're talking about... Um, Prioritization in your game project,
1: and to clarify, we're going to talk about prioritizing which of your tasks to do in what order, and not prioritizing doing your work among all your life stuff. Right, those two separate topics there.
0: Yeah. Might touching on both. We'll see, but definitely focusing on prioritizing the work mm-hmm. in your game project. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What if we want to? Exciting. One assumption we're making is that we want you, game maker, are focused on getting this game complete and out there for the world to see. But if you're doing something like, say, Dwarf Fortress, where it's much more a personal passion project and simply adding to it is the fun, then your priorities are going to be different and also entirely legit. There's a lot of amazing games, like Dwarf Fortress, that are amazing because their developers Took so much personal time to really develop it, touch by touch, and something really amazing. We're here to ship.
1: So what's and not these, just your cute couples. What if you're talking about? You know, this doesn't apply as much to these passion projects, um, which are this long going. What is the other side of that spectrum, where the prioritization is much more important?
0: Anything deadline driven, for example. I want to get, I desperately want to get Anthro done in a shippable state before the next Anthro New England because the theme of that convention is the 90s.
1: Oh, that is a and good, my, good crossover there.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can't see how much I'm nodding, but I'm nodding a lot. And I could think of no better venue, mm-hmm. both being a relatively nearby convention, just a couple states away. And that theme of all things, and the furry convention. So I really, that is a very hard deadline in a way that no other event has been. And it's not like it's all that close either. So I don't have any excuse to not get the game finished by that point. I have Mm -hmm. plenty of rationales. And so we'll talk about it in other episodes. But still, that is a very hard thing that I expect, a very hard deadline, that I expect to actually lead to me finalizing this in a way that all past general aspirations have not.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. One of the uh, topics that we, among the topics we uh, floated talking about today and and did not was um, events and you know, gaming conventions, anything where you're showing off your game. So we're not talking about that today, but the the little um, intersection of that topic and this is that deadline of an event or a specific event um, a specific opportunity to show off your game, whether that's a physical event or good timing, like maybe you're making a Christmas-themed game and the holidays are a good time, to ship it, you know. Um, Those events create a pressure where prioritization is really important, but it can also happen in in two ways. It can be, this is when I need to launch the game, and this is when I need to demo the game, and so your prioritization Mm -hmm. can often be not just what is the right order to complete all these things, but what is the right order so that when this deadline happens, whatever is done is a good package as as a whole.
0: Definitely. Because I, I don't know what your
1: plan is for that particular event, but if you're going to continue to do work afterwards, if there was more to, more to do to actually completely finish it, you want it to be a complete demoable and, and full experience. You don't want to be working on things that aren't valuable um, for that event or which cannot be demoed without... On their own or without other pieces, it can't be completed in time.
0: Yeah. In this particular case, I want to make sure the game is purchasable because this is a big opportunity in the foreseeable future for actually making sales at a public event, because I'm going to have such incredibly targeted audience eager for that, and I don't want to miss a chance to actually sell the game.
1: That is a. I've never actually heard like that specific phrasing of the word "purchasable," but it's a. That's a really good, concise thought. Just be able to buy. You know, we don't really. We a lot of times, especially um, side indie devs, don't think too much business side. Even if you do plan on selling your game, but thinking uh. of that as a single qualifier for how your, uh, the context in which you're making the decisions, uh, is a pretty clean-cut way to decide what makes, what is important and what
0: isn't. you might end up prioritizing something like Steam integration mm-hmm. over yet another level. Right. So it means your game becomes, if not necessarily purchasable, it can release it for free, nonetheless still fully integrated with the system. I know that in this case, I want people to be able to come up, enjoy the demo, and then go right into Google Play and buy it if they are so inclined.
1: Right, so that's that's also going to, um, there's going to be some non, like the Steam integration, there's also other non-immediate game work that may be prioritized there. Things like um, a auto-playing demo that would play at an event, you know, so that it isn't even in the sold version of the game, maybe. Um, creating marketing tasks are also probably going to be within a lot, really important for a lot of those deadlines, taking time away from the actual development, ironically.
0: I guess a good example, earlier events, like play crafting events here in New York, have been other deadlines for me, in this case, just demo deadlines. And for those, I end up prioritizing content. You don't want to have placeholder sprites for for the demo part, because that looks weird and looks unprofessional, at least unpolished. You want to have enough content there that is a complete experience, even if it's not um, a 100% complete experience. For example, be able to play through an entire level, or entire fight round, what have you. And so you end up. I would recommend definitely. And from looking at other games I've seen that I enjoy the demo of, is to have really a deep dive, a drill down on that small playable part, and let that carry the entire the entirety of the demo player's experience. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of unique pressures that 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 need to demo are going to create that are different from a lot of other deadlines or a lot of other pressures. Um, In in your case, you're actually trying to complete it for this case, but if this is a demo pre-release, you might even do things like um, prioritize content in the middle of the game that doesn't represent the beginning or end because you want there to be you know you want it to be further in so that it's more interesting and there's more stuff to show off but you so you might not even have the stuff ready to start the game like your first level might not be done and yet you still need to prioritize uh that work that shows off what the meat of the game will be which is not how it starts where it's usually a little more low-key and you don't have as many abilities in a lot of games and you know, so there's a lot of reasons why you might not, like, linearly is not necessarily the first uh, rule of prioritization. That might be how a lot of, if you sit down and say, I'm going to plan out this work, the first uh, thought you might have is, well, what's the order of things that happening in the game? Here's level one, two, That's three, four, five. That's, I'll start working on them from one to five. Um, but that might not actually work for the particular pressures you have or the, the goals that your prioritization needs to satisfy.
0: Exactly. If we take that as a general framework, one being the start of the game, title screen, and five being game over and credits, I would recommend, based on experience in my own and looking at others, to start with one, so you get something you can play right away and get that initial hit of dopamine, see the success, see the hope for later. Take a stab at five right after that so you can see what the end game looks like and, know what completion feels like mm-hmm. and then go right to three right smack in the middle because that mid game is often the mid game in be it games or fiction or other mm-hmm. places the mushy middle as it's called to be the biggest roadblock Interesting. uh me an author my other creator has gotten halfway through the work and starting from the beginning and then just been mired in that middle part. So if you take a stab right at the middle there, that introduces a lot of concerns, like level progression, ability balance, what kind of stuff you're going to need without making you finish it. So something can be half done and still useful Mm -hmm. without making you do all the work from one, two, and three just to get there. And once you've got a solid feel for three, you will, like you mentioned, Calvin, have something demoable, and have a much better idea of what you'll need to add to get to three, and what is be left to do to get to five.
1: Yeah, I um, I usually start because I, I like that you broke that down into the, the numbers and in the order that you might approach that. You know, start the game, get the ending in the middle. I usually start in the middle. I never even thought of. Prioritizing the feeling of the end, maybe because I don't finish enough things, so I'm not even thinking about that. <laughs> I think so if your order is one three five, my or one five three, my order is more three zero negative one, which is the <laughs> like a a level in the middle that gets you the feel of the bulk of the game, and then the end cap stuff at the before the game and after the game. So not the actual you know level content, but things like title screens and high scoreboards and credits and, you know, th- those things that make the game feel like a package that you can keep adding mm-hmm. stuff into.
0: Also makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I like also incorporating title stuff and high score stuff into one and five. So I think we're on the same page there.
1: Yeah, well, part of it is, you know, you're we talked about prioritization for, for the external, for the demos and releases and things like that prioritization also has a big impact on your your mental outlook of the game and how it presents to you the the feedback loop you create for yourself you know um, create prior to that sometimes you prioritize the things that would give you a reward feedback to keep pushing forward and sometimes that is things like making it feel like a complete game that you're working on and not a, a, a prototype not a a toy on the side because you know making it feel complete even if it has still a lot of stuff to fill out um can go a long way to making you feel like this is a serious project that i'm continuing to put my my time and energy into where if it's just one standalone level that you keep iterating on trying to get the feel for the game it it, it feels you know less i guess um, but regardless of of how that shakes out i'm trying to get to is more just Prioritizing for your own motivation can be important.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Mer Lafferty, um uh, forget the name of her podcast. I should be writing, I believe it's called Excellent Podcast. Lots it has an excellent story about just that. She's a prolific writer herself. Mm, I think she made me make a living off of it at this point. I've read more than one of her books. I love all of them. She's been uh, professionally published, all that. And she has a story of meeting somebody, I think it was at a cafe, coffee shop and learning he was also a writer and she looked at his first page there in the word document, was impressed, met them again months later and saw he had a really amazing, very polished first page, just excellent prose, all that Mm -hmm. and no page two. Oops. Oh, yep. Yeah, it spent so much time trying to get that very first part polished right there that he never got on to the rest of the novel. And who knows if he ever actually finished it or just has a really polished page two now. And I know three through 119. I know when I uh, wrote, yeah, was it Planet Oz from Sketch, the before, not uh, the remember version. But the full-size version, I end up tossing. I want to say the first three chapters away entirely. Not, and not pare them down. Just shoot, mm-hmm. and starting from much. It was very useful practice to figure out Dorothy's character, their backstory, all that. But the actual real start of the action only came multiple chapters later, and that was where the book needed to start. It was definitely much improved for that. If I had spent months trying to get that those first few pages, first several pages, uh, first couple dozen pages, really, all polished perfectly, I never would have finished it. What I was steam long before then. Mm. But yeah. to bring it back to game dev specifically, I spent a lot of time spinning wheels on Anthem both because of various internal and external issues. But it really picked up, I realized in retrospect, when I finally figured out a proper ending state for the game. Just having one state. Maybe a visual novel with choices. But when I figured out at least one way they could end, that brought a whole much more stuff together. I had been far too much of a seat in my pantsers going into it and just assumed we'd be the writing team and I would be able to get it all together figured out eventually but due to various complications, many of them may be a complication. We, there was no formalized ending until much later in the development process, but you can just see the productivity and output ramping up dramatically. Once I gotten that particular thing unlocked. just having that ending up there already yeah. having, already having a beginning and even having a mushy middle.
1: It just has me thinking a lot because, like I said, I didn't really think much. Like, I know the ending I want, but I haven't really thought much about working on that. I, I probably was planning on working on it at the end, but I should approach a little bit of it at least and see how it feels to flesh some of that out um, in, in the current prototype because uh, maybe I'll get a, a similar kind of. Um, I guess it could act kind of as a beacon at the end. You know, it's like, it's like if I can, if the goal exists, if, if the the finish line exists then i can try to get the player there Um, right now it's just a jog and there is no finish line so i i want to take that to heart and try that out um and i think that it might be an interesting adjustment for my my plan for what my next ask my next part of the the project will be so uh, i'll keep working on what i'm doing right now but for the next step i think that um Rearranging things to work on the ending um, is probably going to happen. Is this this yeah. this is a uh, taking a lot of boxes in my head, so I like this.
0: Awesome, that's what we're here to podcast for. Trying yeah. to figure this stuff out. And you make a very good point too that the general idea is start with one five, move on to three but after that before you finish up, but. You have to critically evaluate where you currently are in the game and see where you should be. You is much more of a five in this case. For me, I probably focus more on four. Because I've got beginning, I've got the end, Mm -hmm. I've worked my way through one, two, and three. And getting from that middle part really to all the endings is my missing gap. So I guess that's a big prioritization takeaway for you dear listener is to sit and think about your game really evaluate you can write down your perception your analysis of what state your game is in where you are on the 1 to 5 checklist and pick your next spot with deliberation
1: yeah uh, so i think we i i'm joining this conversation i also i think that Rather than just talk about it, I already have immediate impact in how I'm going to be prioritizing some things, which I didn't expect. I was looking for a conversation, and I like coming out with more than what I expected walking in. Um, so is there anything else prioritizing-wise that you would like to um, to touch on or to, to say or to, to bring up? Or I uh, just want to make, uh, think about moving on to our weekly um, check-ins of, uh, of various various bits uh for the second half here
0: well i've got so many things i could say but i'll pick some highlights uh, don't yeah definitely don't let art asset your other media asset quality hold you back kirby one of the most famous nintendo characters of all was a placeholder asset he was supposed to be replaced with another actual character art he became, he was so beloved in his original form, he became an actual character despite being someone's sketch. So, you yeah, never underestimate how impressed people will be with your placeholder art.
1: No, I can't wait to make my game of orange squares.
0: Yes, the which for Thomas is alone.
1: True. Yeah, I was, thinking, <laughs> I was thinking of that exact game as I said that joke. I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, the trick now is to move on to hexagons. That's where the real action's at. Mm, right, yeah, yeah. Well, dang it now, I just nerd that to myself and start thinking about hexagons as game characters. Because you can roll, but not too much. Okay, that was deprioritize the hexagon game idea because that's not very right now. <laughs> right. Put that, yeah. the,
1: put that on the behind the back burner. You've got enough stuff already. Um, so moving on then, um, what have you been working on this week? As well, we're talking about prioritization anyway. Uh, what did you prioritize this week?
0: Yes. I prioritized getting external feedback. I was much to my pleasant surprise. I managed to send out my March or end of February, start of March, Patreon backer updates in a timely fashion. And I reached out to my backers for beta readers and Already got back some great survey answers. And including one of them wrote up a really wonderfully long, detailed analysis of their experience. It was actually very actionable, so big shout out to them. That's great. And, I, yeah, I've been reading over that. It made me realize that the main character is really lacking somebody in their corner, so to speak. They do a lot throughout the rest of the cast, but they can use some more emotional support themselves. So I may or may not introduce like a older trans ant character who's busy looking out for them and being an outlet that probably adds some more internal monologues to help develop Alex as a character because they are are, are richer in their life than necessarily gets explained in the novel, especially because we were still filling them out as a character for a lot of early chapters. So, some more of that to make them more real would help. And guess plan going forward is just to execute on that. All right, Calvin, it's your turn.
1: All right. So, um, I've had a. See, I have been working on some visual adjustments that I wasn't sure about at first, but have been um, coming out really well. Um, Basically, um, and I think I, I might have touched on this before, but this is kind of like a, a, a steam forward ahead of uh, something I was experimenting with last time I mentioned, which is my whole thing is sort of like a um, pre. it's supposed to feel like pre, a 3D game pre-Doom as if that is in an era that didn't exist. Um, so my my goal or my, my method has been just a bunch of low color, low pixel um, sprites in this 3D layout. Um, but it's a little hard to control exactly how those get laid out to be consistent and look like an actual screen and not just a bunch of low-res sprites laid out high resolution. Um, so I do a pixelization filter, and then I have to kind of push my sprites through that, and they don't always line up right. So I've been trying to figure out how to um, make filtering work right for further away uh, tiles, further away objects. But make the close-ups still look crisp, uh, which. Yeah. So I'm I'm having to I'm, I'm realizing that this works basically if I oversize my sprites, but then I, I'm mm-hmm. trying to now build an asset pipeline that will automatically at import time adjust everything and handle them for me, um, and that's been going really well. So now things are looking a lot better. Um, it adjusts the visual style a little bit, but it gives me more control. Um, It also improves the performance um, because I was doing some funky things with how I was trying to push the specific um, style and lighting I was doing before. Uh, But that has all gone pretty well, and it gives me a lot more freedom in how I create the sprites so that I can add details that become pixelized without worrying too much about the actual pixel art, which is kind of a way I can cheat at it. So that's kind (laughs) of
0: cool. It's only cheating if you get caught. Um right. but it sounds but like that's,
1: but I just I just told you and anybody listening so <laughs>
0: you're literally broadcasting into the world yeah right
1: um and I also got so working yeah. prototype builds so that when I have things at stages Ooh. where I have like a complete you know everything's in a working state there's no major bugs I can cut some um, EXEs and some webGL builds and share with with people Uh, Um, even if it's not real, something to show off, it just, it's like I was thinking about the bookends. It's nice to have it feel like a package, a package I'm filling with more content that still have a lot to do in, but it is a thing instead of just a, instead of just a unity project in my hard drive, it is a thing I can conceivably share. And that is an important mental state for it to have, or for me to have about it.
0: It's kind of like the difference between giving someone a cookie you just baked instead of pouring flour and eggs into their hands.
1: Right. Sure. Because that would be weird.
0: <laughs> it would be weird. Don't do that.
1: <laughs> so, uh, so so, moving on, um, what have you been uh, playing, reading, watching, um, et cetera, this last week?
0: As the audience might have guessed from the pre-roll talk, I've been catching up on season three, is that right, season three? Latest season of Castlevania with my girlfriend. I was watching an episode, and just before we started recording for dinner, not necessarily the best dinner TV choice. Cause there's some blood and stuff in there.
1: I guess that the best um, dinner. And...
0: Yeah. Today was tacos. All right. And I'm getting really good at tacos.
1: Eating them or making them? Yeah. Yes. Good answer.
0: So I was going to say um, I've re listened to the entire audiobook for Never Split the Difference, which came up in a work context, amusingly enough. And it's a very excellent book on how to empathize through negotiation. There's is important ordering of those words. A lot of people come into the negotiation or come into the book thinking, so figuring out how to negotiate with empathy. The real lesson from the book is how to be more, more empathetic, more empathic, and using negotiation as a context and framework for doing so. And it was helping me in this very podcast episode recording, just practicing my active listening and being more mindful of that. So highly recommend it anything else uh I'm still playing mist over on Nintendo switch um been grinding a lot lately trying not to try and keep my poor party members alive and not dying to the Eldritch icy horrors of the mm-hmm. fourth level so fingers crossed You push back the terrible evil but that's enough about me uh calvin how about you
1: well, let's see. Um, I've been doing some reading, but not enough as usual. I've been reading fiction-wise, um, *Spellsword*, which is the first of the *Spellsword* books. After I read *Asteroid Man of Dragons*, which was the third, um, but they're separate stories, and it, I don't feel like I'm getting a. Uh, I didn't know, but I didn't. It wasn't even like obvious that it was a series. It's more like a collection, so I don't think that was mm-hmm. a problem um yep. also on the nonfiction side i've been reading um buster benson's why are we yelling uh, which Ooh. is about productive arguments how appropriate and, yeah and i'm i'm hoping to utilize some of that um at work not that people at work yell and we argue a lot but just to maybe encourage more um not argument but back and forth in a productive way um among my teams to try to get um, decisions and information out of people. So I'm enjoying it so far and I hope that I get a lot out of it. Um, We have been watching. uh, I finally, and I know this is too late for a, I just really did not want to bite the whole CBS all access bullet. (laughs) I was annoyed by (sighs) it. Um, But in the last week I have watched two seasons of, um, um, Stargate, or not Stargate, Star Trek, Discovery, and Half uh, of a Card.
0: Nice. Yeah, we've been watching that through Amazon Prime, because we already have that.
1: Yeah. Well, you should still have to pay. You should still have to pay, but. Right? Uh, I did double check with my girlfriend. Yeah, He's, Yeah. That, 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 that. that's what I did, too. And, yeah, you, you can subscribe to extra channels on Amazon Prime. The only difference being that the Amazon Prime app is the worst video app you could possibly have, but it's amazingly it, you know, bad, so bad. Apparently, it doesn't well, matter because we use it anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: you tolerate it, yeah. Actually, I've been watching Picard as well, that's been a fun trip,
1: yeah. Yeah, it, it's um, I'm not sure what I expected out of it, and I'm not sure what I expect from the rest of it, but I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, so I will keep riding that wave. Um, As a family, we watched um, a cartoon on Netflix recently called Kippo and uh, Age of the Wonder Beasts, which is pretty cool. It was a um, sort of post-apocalyptic story about this girl who lived underground in a bunker where a lot of humans lived, and she sort of gets lost on the surface, and there's mutants and a few straggler humans left. Um, but it also turned mm-hmm. out to be a, a really fun and um, good cartoon, also main queer characters right off the bat, um, nice. which was really cool, so I'm enjoying that. And uh, just because I've been watching actually a lot of TV, mates because of the work-from-home thing um, – Me and my wife have been watching, finally, uh, The Marvelousness Maisel, which I didn't know what to expect from, because I I know of it, but I didn't know anything about what it was about, or the style, or what the the tone would be. But, uh, wow, it's a good show. Really enjoying that. We're on season three now. Nice. Um, Yeah. Oh, and I am also playing things. Uh, Me and my son picked up this game called Raft. So he is, um, as, as many of his age... Crafting and survival games are an obsession, like very much an obsession. So I have dealt with for years of him throwing one crafting game after another at me, um, which I I do like the premise of, I just can't play so many of them, but this one has managed to to catch me um, despite being another survival crafting game. It is a premise that I've always really wanted to have a game of actually. It's, it's, you are you're on a raft on the ocean you collect debris floating in the water and try to build up your raft and survive and fight off the sharks and it's just it's a it has a really good feedback loop of gathering that stuff that's floating on the water and and building up your your tools and your your raft size and uh it's also a multiplayer so we can do it together so it's been really fun
0: yeah i'd say that having the kind of very constrained world setting of just a raft instead of an entire giant world you can get in minecraft i can see that being liberating the creative constraints
1: yeah yeah there are definitely good constraints there that have been really nice uh you come across small islands every once in a while but they just are a few resources you grab for a few minutes and other than that it's all just that raft um and you get to make it bigger, and you only have the resources that are trickling in. It's not like you can just, like Minecraft, just mine for hours. It's just, that's not a thing you should sustainably do. So... It is really good at using those constraints to push you into a tighter uh, gameplay loop that that keeps it interesting. I'm really enjoying it.
0: All right, Sounds like we're good to go for tonight. So thank you all for listening very much. This has been... JC, and Calvin for SideQuest Completed.
1: Woo! Another episode in the bag. Woo! Thanks for listening to the SideQuest Completed podcast. If you aren't subscribed, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. You can also find all our episodes and our RSS feed at SideQuestCompleted.com. Subscribe today and don't miss an episode posted every Wednesday. Keep game devving and we'll see you next week. Wahoo! Well, that was a noise I made.
0: (laughs) It was a noise I made with my mouth. Wahoo! 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 Wahoo!
1: And you just keep going. Wahoo!
0: Wahoo!